What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. So guys, thanks so much for joining us. A little office hours, a little powwow session here. I uh, don't know where everyone is market-wise. I know Oscar's down in Florida and, uh, you know, it looks like there's some other guys in Florida, Maryland, et cetera. So basically the goal of this call is really to make it about you guys and, and questions uh, that you guys have, answers we have for you guys. We're going to kind of start off with just a, a talking topic. What's going on right now in the market? I'm going to share some deals I'm doing right now and how we're still making some great money in this market. We'll do the same and then we'll open this thing up and we'll just rock and roll. So uh, I'll just kind of start, I guess. So long story short, you guys know the market shifting. You know, I have a friend who I wholesale the house to, and he, um, he had to take, he did, did all this construction work. So it was a huge rehab and the thing went longer than expected. And he sh- sent me a picture today on WhatsApp a year ago, the interest rate on that property all in, if you put 20% down was $1,100. And now today with the new rates, that same payment at the same price is like 20, I think $2,200 or something like that. So basically the payment doubled with the interest rate, which is obviously causing, at least in the New York area, we're seeing a high days on higher days on market. So stuff isn't selling like for crazy, crazy above ask. If you price a property right, you're definitely getting, you're getting offers, but you're generally getting ask price, maybe a little bit more if it's in the right zip code, good school district. Sometimes you're getting an offer, you know, 10K below, 5K below, but we're still seeing stuff is moving, right? Stuff is moving on the retail side. On the wholesale side, it is a little, well, it's a lot harder to sell properties compared to what it used to be. So what we're doing is we're simply just going in and we're obviously trying to get the properties much cheaper so we can sell them for cheaper. But instead of going out, we used to put out these wholesale deals and we would price them like crazy and we'd still have multiple offers. But now what we're doing is we're, we're pricing the properties a little bit normal, a little bit lower than we normally would. But because of that, we're still generating the demand from our buyers. We're still getting people to like open our emails and respond. So we're, we're just basically making these price adjustments. And, and that's how we're getting by. We're still getting great fees. I mean, they've definitely gone down. We're putting together to deal a, day, uh, a deal today in Rye, which is like right near New York City. We're buying a piece of land for 530, a straight lot. And we're selling that. Oh, sorry. We're buying it for 560 and we're wholesaling it for 630. So that's a pretty good fee there. And, um, you know, we got a buyer in literally one day for that thing. So, the I mean, solid yeah, there's still, there's still What's a zone going for? on. I'm just what? curious. What's it zoned for? I'm just curious. It's zoned for single family or two family. The one lot. So that's a yeah. nice area, right? I assume it's, it's multi-million dollar home. ARVs are three million bucks there. Yeah. We'll yeah. It's big. If somebody's going to pay that for land. Yeah. It's, it's the big leagues down there. I mean, you're, you're building, you're going three, three and a half mil, probably more like three now with the market, but. I mean, we're still, we're still finding some success. I mean, it's, we're not selling everything. I wish we were, but, you know, we have some dogs that we still have in our inventory. But, Will, what, what are you seeing down in Florida? Because I know we got some Florida guys on this call. Yeah, so, so to all my Florida guys, but, uh, and everybody, I guess, for the same token. But, yeah, man, look, uh, 
and, and I'm, I'm a big proponent that inventory moves in any market up, down, sideways, you know, diagonally, it doesn't really matter. Um, the only thing that adjusts is, is your buy box and your buying model. Um, what I'm seeing in South Florida is there is a significant uptick so far in days on market. Uh, inventory is, is sitting, right? Uh, a lot more of it is on the market. So a lot more inventory. The MLS has ticked up big time because a lot of people, you know, you had that wave of people. What I see right now is the last wave of people, you know, sellers that are still trying to ch what I call chase down the market because now the market's going down and now they're like, oh shit, well, let me just list my property so I could get as much, but that party's over. So the guys that were listing for, you know, 400, getting 420, 430 above asking yeah. appraisal contingencies wave, that party is over. That, that's over, over, over with very, very, very few exceptions. So there's a lot of sellers that are still in, in the mindset of, well, let me just list it and let me see what I can get for it. And now they're, you know, adding to the pile of shit that was already in inventory. So, and they're, they're just jacking up. The, the days on market even more and now they're going to have to reduce and you know the other sellers that were already on market are reducing um you know the conversations with sellers are changing um it is changing to the degree of you can frame conversations more some sellers are starting to become a little bit more realistic it's been in the news enough it's been in the economy enough i definitely think and i've been saying this for weeks now november 2nd and then november 8th of the election is going to be really the last nail in the coffin in regards to solidifying the fact that we are now living in a world of seven plus percent interest rates for 30 year mortgages. Uh, the last time that happened was like mid nineties. Right. And it was actually higher. So in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's really, yes, the rates are higher, but it's really not that bad in Reaganomics in the eighties, there was 12, 13, 14% interest for, for homes. Granted the standard of living was, was different and the, and the cost of living was different and incomes were, were proportionate to that. But yes, on the wholesale side, it's, it's harder to move inventory right now. There's, there's no doubt, no question whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that I'm in South Florida. We seem to not be getting hit as hard as for example, a California and Arizona, they, I have friends in that, in that market and, and you do as well. Your bottle just like turned into a shapeshifter with the background. That's so it's cool. Like magical. But yeah, it was like X-Men or something. But uh, anyway, you know, and they're definitely already seeing 15, 20, 25% corrections, you know, on, on their inventory. So we're not there yet. Uh, if you get to central Florida, you can still find great deals. I, I have started, I mean, I've been marketing in Central Florida and Northern Florida for about two years now. So for me, I just kind of doubled down and tripled down up there. Uh, I'm right now, man, I'm in, I'm in pipeline building mode. So like for anybody on this call, what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm working for three, four months forward right now into the future. So I, again, I've talked about this before. I've, I've been through this with COVID where shit stopped for three, four months we doubled and tripled down on marketing. And then three, four, five, six months later, we had a big pipeline of sellers that had to move and, and we were there to catch them. So it's the same thing, right? It, real estate's not going to stop. I'm, I'm tired of hearing these myths where, you know, people are like, Oh my God, this is, the market's over. It's 0708. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is, the sky's falling down. It's not going to happen. All right. Um, it's certainly not going to be 0708. I think that economically globally for a second to talk about that, Shit's hitting the fan. There's a lot more stuff behind, um, you know, the curtain that that is actually happening right now. So I think that that's that's going to be a very very big opportunity for people like us and investors in general 
it was about time that the market reset. Let's not kid ourselves. The last two years or so of this market was a fairy tale land. And everyone, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit, I made more money than what I knew what to do with. And, and it wasn't because I was a stud or some genius. I was just, I had the infrastructure in place and I had, I had the, you know, the, the, the fortitude to, to double down on marketing. But there was a lot of people that should have not been in this market that looked like studs for the last two years. And it wasn't because they were great. It was just the market was supporting a lot of bullshit. <laughs> and, and you a lot you of could get away with murder in the, in the old market. You yeah, could put a property on the yeah. market, overpay for it and, and look like a genius. Especially Dude, I remember, listen, I, a lot of, we, we moved about 127 deals last year. And I remember having conversations, you know, my disco manager and all that, but listening and watching the emails and the conversations with buyers. And when I started seeing that buyers were intentionally and knowingly riding the appreciation and buying with a 400K ARV, and they're like, yeah, but I'll probably be able to sell it at 430. When I started seeing that, I was like, oh, shit. That's a problem waiting to happen. Yeah. So, you know, it became normal to do that. So this, this is a very, very normal thing in the grand scheme of things for a market to do. I mean, it, it's, it's about time, you know, hundred percent. we'll see where it goes. I mean, there's a lot of pent up inventory just to talk on that on the inventory side. There's a lot of pent up inventory with foreclosures and evictions and stuff, forbearance that, that, you know, people aren't really talking about. There was still two years. There's a shit ton of people. And it's hard to find that data, but there's a shit ton of people that are still in arrears for, from COVID that have not paid their mortgages. So you're, I think you're going to see an uptick in the auction properties, REOs, right? And, and we'll see how they do it. Banks aren't stupid this time around. They're very, very smart. And they're going to list everything on the MLS and they're not dumb. Right? They're not going to be giving away properties for 30 cents on the dollar. I don't see that happening. If it does, I'll, I'll be a really happy camper about it. But you know, I, I, that, that's not going to happen on this time around, but yes, prices are going to correct. The market is cooled off to say the least. And, and we are in a full blown recession. There's, there's, you know, people that are arguing that still just, it baffles me because the numbers are what they are. The data is the and data. The stock you know? market, yeah. The stock market is teetering too, dude. They had a couple, they had a, a good week and they're like rallying now, but the Dow's already trading at three, four, 5% of what it was. I mean, it's yeah. clear as day crypto's trading at, a third of where it was. And I don't, I'm not a crypto guy, but am I. I do know how to do numbers. And from 69,000 to a peak to 20,000, that seems like 35% to me. So, I mean, things are trading where they're trading. Watches are shit now. <laughs> the off market, I have a lot of friends that are, there's two things to watch in, in, in an economy. Car market is one of them and luxury items is another. And usually when, when those two, especially if they, if they combine together, if those two start to take a shit, usually the economy follows right after. And we rode, I, I like watches, right? I love Rolex. And we rode watches that were supposed to be 15K retail went up to 45K for like a year and a half, which makes zero sense for a stainless steel piece. It's not even a precious metal. And now these watch, you know, guys that I know, friends of mine that are brokers, they're like, dude, I, I couldn't get rid of this watch right now for, for 18 grand. Maybe make three, four grand or maybe make my money back. Right. And then cars is the same thing. Exotic cars went through the roof. We're having Lamborghinis trading 150 grand above retail because you couldn't get your hands on it. Uh, a buddy of mine bought a Lamborghini. It's, it's now worth 120 grand less than what he paid for. And it's a good thing he's got money because he, he you know, it doesn't bother him. But that's, dude, that's a freaking big red indicator. In your that's face. like a house, bro. That's like a legit house. That's a house yeah. on wheels. That's a, 
10 mobile homes in one in one. He event. paid 320. And if he got 220 right now, I'm 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 sure he'd be happy with Honestly. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, but you know, true. with that being said, too, this uh, this is another thing. I I mean, Willie and I aren't 25-year-old 25-year vets, but we were in this market before it was crazy. Like we were in this thing way before 2020. And I remember when I got started in like 16, really, you know, when you put a fix and flip on the market, it would sit for a couple of weeks and that was normal. And you'd get a couple offers here and there and you'd sell it. And I'm seeing it's almost like, just like it was in 16, 17, 18. Like we just got so spoiled the last two years. And, and, and now I'm talking to a lot of my buddies. And even when I do a project, I mean, we're trying to wholesale most of our stuff now to mitigate risk, but I'm like, listen, if this thing would trade at 400 right now, Let's underwrite it to say it's going to trade at 370. And if it trades at 370 and we can sell it fast because it's the cheapest inventory that's renovated, we're going to still buy the house. Like I'm not shy. I'm not gun shy about buying flips right now. Listen, in what in Delaware, where we're doing a lot of business now, I'm wholesaling the stuff I can wholesale. Like I had, a, I'll give you a quick example. So I had a property. We just wholesaled it yesterday, actually. And the numbers were, I got it for 180 and sold it for 195. So it was a base hit wholesale. I, listen, I'd like to make 25 plus, but this one, you know, this guy came in right away, saw it, sight on, not sight unseen, but he made a non-contingent offer. I could have done that project myself. It needed probably 75 grand, septic, water in the crawl space, just mold, just disaster, like rehab. To do it remote, I'm like, no way. So I put it on wholesale, got a buyer, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this profit right now. So that property will probably sell for like 299 maybe 315 after the guy puts a decent decent amount of work into it and he's local he doesn't mind but you know I'm looking at that deal like I had no issue selling that thing in a down market like we sold that thing in 12 hours I put the thing on Facebook by the next morning the thing was gone right I had a full price offer had a house the next day same you know different county in Delaware got it at a good, my acquisitions got locked it up at the house I put it on the buyer's list literally within an hour. It was gone 15 K over ask. So if you price your properties, right, you're still, especially this is regarding wholesaling. You're still going to get buyers. I mean, people still, I mean, let's think about the buyer's perspective. If they're depending on wholesalers and realtors, bringing them deals, that's how they make their living. If they're not going to do the marketing themselves, they rely on the wholesalers and the realtors. So, you know, you're still going to have quote unquote hungry buyers. They're just not going to come in like crazy and offer stupid prices because they know it's, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier to get deals and it's a little bit easier to negotiate. And like, Will, you said something smart earlier. I'm seeing with Brett now, he's telling me like live from the trenches. He's seeing a lot of sellers say this. I don't have any money right now. This asset's the only thing I got. I need to sell this and I need to sell this now. That conversation's happening multiple, multiple, multiple times a week with sellers and sellers are smartening up now. They know that they're not in this hot commodity market where they have all these different options. So we're seeing the negotiations with sellers be a lot more, you know, I wouldn't say they're easy, but they're easier than they were. And, you know, we have no problem walking away from a deal that we, we know is not going to work. We're not going to roll over and try to buy a house that doesn't make any sense. We're going to let some other knucklehead do that. And then we'll get it when they can't sell it. So what are you seeing on the, with your acquisitions guys on the buying side? I was going to chime in on your point here. Yeah. Um, right now is not the time this is just me personally what i'm doing in my day-to-day -day business right now is not the time that i'm going to buy a rehab that requires 40 50 grand i'm just not doing it that's not me unless the property has 120 140 150k growth spread i'll do it i will also do it i urge anyone on this call 
be very mindful of the areas that you're buying in. Mm. If you're buying in a really hot market, like you just said, with the lot that there's a big boys that are living there, you're still moving product. In my market, that would be Miami, you know, certain areas of Miami, Hialeah, Miami Gardens, right? Areas like that, Westchester, Fort Lauderdale, if I'm east of 95, those areas are still moving. And another thing I'll do, and just to answer your question, what my acquisition guys are doing, it's adjusting their buy box. So I'm, I'm, I've cut my formula to about 70% of ARV. That's where I feel comfortable right now. I was a little bit early to that party, but that's fine, right? Uh, and then number two is being very mindful of the areas that we're buying in. So I'm still slightly aggressive if I know that it's a hot area. And the third thing, which is probably the most important thing, it's I'm staying, if I can stay below the 400K threshold, which is FHA territory, then I know I'm going to win. Meaning the requirements for FHA usually are below, you know, sub 400 grand. Those are the people, that price point, that buyer's list goes from here to here, that buyer pool. And there's still a lot of affordability in that market. It's not to say that it's not expensive to buy because, you know, an FHA buyer still have to buy with 7% interest. But if you're in there and, and, and you're in that, that, that threshold, you're going to do, you're going to move inventory much faster than what you would. I'm definitely seeing, I was talking to Brandon, a mutual friend of ours the other day, we both have properties above the, the 550, 600K mark on the market. And it's a lot more crickets on that side. But I have properties at the 375, 400K, 450, like that. I just, I listed a rehab yesterday, or actually two days ago, 449. My mom was a listing agent and we got 459 the first day. So it's 10K above asking. I don't care. And they're waiving appraisal contingencies. But again, that's right by FIU, smack dab in the heart of Miami. And it's a very affordable house, right? Now, it should be noted three, four months ago, I would have gotten 525 for that house. So yeah. again, that that's, that's where the shift is. And, and that's what I see. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm being very conservative. Um, listen, guys, you, you can always wholesale a property or cancel out and move on. Right. Not that I'd want to string a buyer or excuse me, a seller along or anything like that. Cause I don't like to do business that way. But I'd much rather have the opportunity and the chance, if I think I'm within striking range, to test the market out on a wholesale and then let the market tell me what it means. Like we could run formulas and do ARVs and do all this fancy crap with deal calculators or whatever. But at the end of the day, when you lock it up and you actually put that, that piece of property into the market, the market's going to tell you F off or it's going to tell you yes, or it's going to tell you you're too high. Or it might tell you if you're lucky, you're too low. And you might get above asking, right? But the market is the only one that's the referee here. Everybody else, it's all bullshit. But the market's going to tell you that. So I'd much rather have that opportunity to test the market out there. And then, hey, we can adjust. Hey, do we need a reduction? We were off on this number. We need to cancel. It's not moving. Let's reframe the conversation with the seller. Or, hey, there's straight crickets here. Let's move on, right? But you, you don't have that opportunity. You know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So you definitely don't have that opportunity. And, and, and there's a fine line there with tying things up. And I think right now I'm seeing a lot of newer guys and girls that are tying a lot of crap up and they're still operating as, as we were, you know, four five, six months ago. And dude, the emotional bandwidth and roller coaster that you go through with that, it's, you're just adding so much more stress to your plate that that's unnecessary. Okay. So, you know, I, I would say 
I would much rather at this point, I'd much rather have six contracts in a month, which is a low month historically for my business, but six contracts that I know are going to move so I can make some money, you know, rather than 20 under contract and, you know, 14 cancel. Yeah. You know? Like I, I, I just much rather not do that. Right. I'm, I'm just not looking to do that right now. We're, we're doing the same thing. Man, I had a talk with my team a couple of weeks ago. I said, listen, I don't care about volume. I care about good deals. And we, we, we want to focus on bigger deals. And ironically, this month, I think we have six on the board so far. And at least five of those look like they're rock solid, like they're going to go down, right? We have one that's kind of a little flaky, but you made a point, Will, I want to, I want to talk about, and that's renegotiating with sellers. And that's something that, like, listen, I don't like renegotiating. I don't think anyone likes renegotiating, especially when, you know, you're trying to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, if you made a miscalculation, it, it is totally okay to renegotiate. I'll give you a quick case study. So we closed out a wholesale deal on Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. And uh, it was in a great little zip code in New York, but right by the lake. We bought this thing way too high. I actually physically, I showed up to this house because uh, I was in town. This was in August when we got it under contract. I went there, walked it, and I was like, whoa, this thing needs way more work than we thought. So we put it out to the market, put it out to the marketplace. You know, like you said, we wanted to validate this thing. And all the offers were coming in basically like either at or below what we were in escrow on. And I'm like, all right, well, we're going to have to either cancel or renegotiate. So we had a legitimate renegotiation with a seller. We explained why he understood. We got a 25K price cut and we wholesaled it for 25 grand and it worked out. It's another house. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was all good, right? At the end of the day, he could have said no, but he was like, he understood where we were coming from. We had another house upstate. Now this is uh, so this was in Greenwood Lake. This other one was up in Kingston. And that guy or that lady, she inherited the property, complete disaster house. Like this thing is a nightmare property. And she was like, okay, I, I need this number for the property. So we tied it up and we told her, hey, listen, we have some contingencies. We got to test this thing out. We got to pre-sell it, et cetera. Put it out to the marketplace, crickets at the ask price, dropped it, crickets, had a renegotiation with her. She understood where we we're coming from, put it out at a better number, got a buyer. Hey, it's 12 grand. I look, I'd like them to be 25, but the market said 12 grand. I said, okay, you got to not get cute in this market. Base hits will win the baseball game in this kind of economy. Get the momentum, get your team going, you know, and, and you're going to get your home runs if you're taking enough swings, but you can't sleep on base hits, man. And that's what's given us a lot of momentum every week. I agree. And I'm going to, I'm going to just like further iterate your point. Um, it's very, very important right now to keep moving the needle. And what I mean by that, we could break that down a lot of ways, but what I mean by that is, a lot of newer guys and even guys and girls that are, you know, we're doing seven figures, whatever, from 1 million to 10, whatever. Dude, if you understand that this is a long-term game and you just keep moving that needle and you just keep moving forward, motion creates motion. So, you know, the, the, the day that you just stop and you, uh, well, we got to get every penny out of this one and let's do that. And blah, blah, blah. Dude, you, you just, you now you're just spinning your tires and you know, you got the four by fours off. Now you're two by four, you're stuck in the mud and you're like, oh shit, somebody's going to have to come winch me out, you know, just metaphorically. And you just keep moving and that's what you got to keep doing. You got to go step up to the plate again, swing again and keep going. And eventually if you're doing that, number one, you, you're being productive. You're actually going through the motions. You're seeing what a real market feels like. You're seeing what a correction feels like, which is newer for a lot of us. But you're also not getting stuck in your own head, which is a big problem. Like when markets correct, a lot of people get stuck in their own head and they don't move. And, and I think one of the worst things you could do is not pivot. And, and pivoting is a term that, I mean, I've been using the word pivot with my team now for like three months. 
and and the pivot like it's so freaking crucial and i don't care how how you do it there's a lot of ways to do it but you have to understand and say all right this is not the same market anymore cool check what are we doing what are we going to do differently are we going to start innovations are we going to do this are we going to do that use the tools at your disposal meaning make sure that simple things that you could be doing and every municipality is different so check with that but Dude, can, can, is there a verbiage on your contract to novate contracts? You should have it. Is there a verbiage on your contract to list it on the MLS? You should have it. Make your life easier. Have those conversations with the seller. It's the right framing. Because the more, right now, the name of the game is the more exposure you can have for your property, for your asset, the better your chances are that you're going to move. Period. The less eyes you have, you're fucked. It's just not going to work because people are pickier. They have more opportunities than they've had in the last two plus years. So now your property, you're not the hottest girl at the dance anymore. You're just not. You're just not. There's a group of smoke shows that just showed up and now you're one of 12. And I'm just being honest. I always use these examples. It's, like, the truth, it's very relatable. It's, it's very relatable. It's you're no longer the, the one little flag where 30 buyers are running to that flag. That's the game's over. Now it's like 30 flags and like five buyers. <laughs> so these buyers are like, ah, which flag looks the best to me and which is closer and which can I grab first? Period. Dude, that's so freaking true. And that's, that's even relevant too when you're selling retail product. I mean, it, inspections and appraisals used to be like, <laughs> we're going to wave that. Yeah. Now it's like, I had a flip and man, this guy, picked me apart on this property. I mean, I, I did decent work on it. I mean, listen, it wasn't Beverly Hills, but you know, the guy was picking me apart for light switches and like we left like a dresser in the garage. Like, and he was like, I had to have a, con a contract was at like nine o'clock at night before closing, removing it. Cause like it, you gotta be willing to, to, to be reasonable too, you know, with, with these buyers, because at the end of the day, like even with wholesale buyers, I mean, you know, I, back, I mean, Will and I, Will, we spoke about this on the phone a couple of weeks ago. It's like, we used yeah. to be able to put out a property, 10 people, one house, one time, be there, be square. And now Correct. it's like, I'm calling, because I still sit in that seat in my company. Hey, I, hey, John, uh, I know you bought 10 houses from me over the last two years. You know, what are your thoughts on those emails you've been seeing? You know, we've been sending two, three a week out. What are your thoughts? And you haven't seen you buy something. And hey, Greg, I see you and they're just overpriced. You got to get some feedback from your customers. You know, if you guys have heard of the book, The Pumpkin yep. Plan, like who are your best customers? And what, what are they telling you, right? Because there's, there's, I'm sure on if everyone's wholesaling here, there's probably five buyers on your buyers list, assuming you have a decent sized list that have bought a decent amount of property from you. And, and if they haven't been buying recently, call them up. They're, they've given you at least six figures, hopefully. Call them up, see what their, see what their concerns yeah. are. Because, I mean, listen, we're still selling deals to unicorn buyers. And when I say unicorn, like onesie, twosie people who might not be as sophisticated, but, you know, you got to work hard and, and you got to dig through a lot of gold to find those kind of people. So, you know, we're trying to get honest feedback. You know, we're seeing, oh, Greg, the price, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and you know, we're taking that into consideration now when we're negotiating. So I'll give you another quick example. So that deal that we, wholesale, we wholesaled one last week, we got another one, same area. We could have bought the property for 140 and we wholesaled it. Long story short, we wholesaled it for 155. We could have like not had any resistance at 140 and we could have signed it up right away. But we, instead of doing that, we're like, you know, we want to put out, we want to get the deal at a, at a good number to give us insurance. Like I was going to close it no matter what. So I told my guy, I'm like, listen, go back to the house. Pretend you forgot to go in the attic or something. Just, just look for a way to get back inside. And then I, on your way out the door, say, hey, I know we were supposed to speak Thursday, but you know, I'm already here. Let's see if we can make something happen. So he ends up cutting the deal at 120 and he negotiated a lot harder because at the end of the day, 
it's that number still worked for the seller. Like she, they were cool with it, but like, we know in this market, yes, there was competition on that deal, but at the end of the day, it, it is going to be easier over time to, to be a little bit harder when you're negotiating with sellers. And if that means losing a deal, that means losing a deal. Listen, we're not, you know, we're going to tr- do our best to try to get every house, but we have seen now, at least there's some sellers, we call them like tweakers, like where they're kind of on the fence. Yeah, that number kind of makes sense at 160, but maybe if there's no oil tank. So, you know, we're, 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 we're you know, maybe we'll do that. And we're like, listen, if you want to do that price and you said the, the, the uh, novation word, Will, we're, we're negotiating terms on the novation now. So it's like, listen, seller, if you're stuck at 285, let me tell you about this program and we can get you to 285. This is exactly what it's going to look like. We had a property in Connecticut last week. Same thing. Locked it up, put it out to the list. All offers are coming in at our contract price. The guy's like, I'm not taking a nickel below what we agreed upon. And we had a contingency period. And we said, okay, well, if you're willing to do this program, we can continue with our contract. And we explained innovation. Now it's on the market. Hopefully we have a few offers by the end of the week. So you got to be, like you said, you got to have multiple tools in your tool belt. So, Will, what are you doing? I mean, I don't do too many innovations. I'm sure you do more than me. What are you guys kind of doing to frame these innovations? Because that is a valid strategy and it does provide a lot of value to sellers if you really know how to present that thing correctly it's powerful yeah so it's pretty simple man we we keep it to the basics right a novation for anyone on this call is what i would call a long wholesale meaning you can't wholesale or assign a property right to a conventional buyer okay and this is tripping me out that you can walk and, and the background's not moving. <laughs> I'm like but, that. Uh, right. So with that being said, on an ovation, you can. So number one, the novation, a novatable property, I guess is the right term, is a property that can pass a, a four-point inspection, meaning your roof, your plumbing, your AC, right, and your electrical. So it is financeable, in other words, that a conventional buyer can come get a loan and a bank will approve it, right? So long story short, sellers that are, we call them tweeners, which is funny, it's kind of the same thing, but that that pricing is right there and there's enough spread, right? And so the framing is pretty simple. Hey, listen, Mr. Seller, I understand that, or Mrs. Seller, I understand that the cash offer at 300,000 is unacceptable to you. Totally understand you, totally respect you. So number one, validate them. That's key. Number two, you say, I know you want 340, let's say, and let's just say the ARV is 400 for the sake of argument. Okay. So there's a 60K spread there, right? Gross, either way. Yeah. So the way that you present it, you say, look, I can't obviously pay you 340 cash because that's more of a retail number. You understand I'm an investor. I'm trying to, you know, obviously keep this property as a rental, get a certain amount of equity out, or, you know, I'm obviously in business for profit, right? But I also understand you, Mr. Seller, that you need to get as much out of this property as possible. And it's in pretty decent shape. So you're right. It's not, it's not as bad as a 300K property, right? However, here's what we can do. So it's, then, then you pre- present like a united front. And then you say, here's what we can do. I work with a lot of buyers that are more on the retail side and are okay paying a higher price. So what we can do is I can market the property out, right? And I can, and if I can't close on it, I can bring a buyer that is going to close on it and it's going to give you more money. And there's a lot of ways to present this innovation, by the way. You can also present it in the sense that they can ride some appreciation with you, meaning, hey, if we get this price, 
you know, you get this price, but if we get that price, you're going to get this price. So I'm, I'm incentivizing that seller to go with us. Maybe they're going to make an extra 10, 15 grand means a lot of money to a lot of people. Right. And it is a lot of money. It, it's a considerable amount of money. It's 10 G's, five, 15 G's. Sometimes it might be 30 G's. Right. So that's how you present it. But as long as you have the framing and the right paperwork and, and the right clauses in there, um, it, you know, for that, that that's the way you present it. So you, you're just, the, 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 the rule of the golden rule here is the seller is getting what they want and they're getting the price that they want. You are paying their costs. You're not, they're not coming out of pocket for anything. They're not paying a realtor. They're not doing any of that. You're handling it. Also, I don't know how complex you want to get into it, but novations, you could also get an agreement and let's say I got to paint and patch the house or maybe replace an AC for four or five grand. I do that work. I do it. Right. Because without that, you don't have the money to do it. And without that, you can't obtain financing. And without financing, you can't get the number that you want. So if I'm willing to do that, now I have some skin in the game and then we can sell this property. You can resolve your issue. I can buy it. It makes money. We're all good to go. Right. So that again, guys, it's really simple. It's, it's just working through the issues. Right. And, and as long as you frame it, you're forthright about it and you're presenting options and options is the key and more money for that seller, then now it, the novation is more of a partnership rather than Mr. Investor, Mr. Seller on two separate teams, right? Which yep. is usually the case with framing on a cash offer cycle. hundred percent. Right? Like, oh, I'm trying to get the property for the lowest possible. I'm trying to dig you over the head and I'm trying to make a hundred G's. That's how sellers view it in their mind, yeah. whether it's true or not, that's how they view it. But on innovation, it's it's definitely much more of a team effort. Hey, we're gonna work together to get the property to the highest value so you can collect the most amount of money. Hundred percent. And it's almost like when you frame it like that, they're not worried about where you're gonna make. They just heard three forty. That's what they heard. They don't give a shit about anything else, right? Or they care like, hey, my AC's shot. Great. Well, I'm gonna fix the AC, right? So that's, that's how we present the novations and, and we're using that obviously in this market because there's still a lot of room for, for uh, monetizing on the retail side. And there still are a lot of retail buyers that need to buy a place. So novations are, are an amazing tool um, to use. Oh yeah. Especially too, like these are leads you're already like getting, you're already paying for. And, and like you said, when you frame it to where it benefits the seller, it's yeah. like, it, it, and Brett, Brett, my acquisitions guy is great. He's like, it seems like the only thing getting in the way is that pesky price. I know you really want to sell to me. I want to buy from you, but that dang price right. just keeps getting in the way. How do we work right. around here? I have a way to work around the price. Let, hear me out on this. And then he like goes into the pitch and it's like the thing actually I like about Novations, which is interesting. They're actually more transparent than a wholesale deal. If you think about it, because you're telling the sell the, the homeowner, I'm putting this on the open market. There's going to be reasonable access. This is all from Eric Brewer. You guys should check him out. He's like the king of this. But I'm getting reasonable access, putting it on the open market, selling it to another buyer. I'm guaranteeing the net, the net number, right? 340 in this case. And there's a lot of value that goes into innovations. Because I remember when I first learned about this and me and my friend did a podcast on this, I was like, why wouldn't they just do that themselves, right? And the answer is that you're providing the work if needed, if reasonable work, not a full remodel. And you're pretty much doing a white glove service and they're not going to have to worry about anything. All they got to do is make sure someone can open that property up and a lot of sellers, they really get value from that because like you said, Will, they want their number. If I can get my 340, I'm cool. And it's like, okay, if you know there's a 60K spread, yeah, you pay 20 grand out in commissions or whatever. You got yep. 10K and closing. 
it, you can turn literally zero into 15, 20 grand when you would have gotten a measly $1,500 referral fee from your agent buddy, which is better than nothing. But I mean, if you could turn 1500 into 15,000, I mean, you could just take that and put that right back into marketing, get yourself another couple of houses. So here's, here's really the best way to do it and how we've done it. You really want to take Novation to the next level, partner up with a great fucking realtor mm. that will be a member of your team and have promised them, you know, depending on how much is in your funnel and how much is in your pipeline. But my realtor knows they're going to get 20, 30 listings a year, regardless, because of the amount of marketing we do and, and the amount of leads that we house. So for a realtor, it's very easy for a realtor to come into my organization and crack a hundred grand, six figures a year. It's no problem, right? So for them, it's teaming up with that realtor and teaching that realtor, or putting them through the education of how to frame the novation. There's a way to do it. There's a way to schedule showings. There's a way to finesse with the seller. And if you have a really good realtor and you're not doing that all yourself, guess what it allows you to do? Go back to another RGA and go make more money on the cash offers or figure out better marketing strategies. So that's that I don't need to do everything in my organization. And, and of course, if you're a one-man band, which I was once upon a time, my business partner was a two-man band. I get it. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but if you could get really good at this early on in your career, I didn't when I was starting out because innovations weren't like a cool thing back in 2017. Uh, and quite honestly, we didn't need to. Um, but if I looked back historically at probably the last five years of investing, I'd probably have an extra four or five million bucks laying around somewhere. If I would have known innovations. I'm being honest. I was saying the same thing. I'd have at least a million bucks if I knew about this when I started. Man. Dude, I, I, did my, I did my numbers. Uh, like I reviewed all the canceled deals last year. And yeah. this, is, this is like, it's fucking mind boggling. So because of the amount of, can like we did 127 deals. We had a lot of canceled deals, right? Just so much volume. Um, a good market, a, a, a good hyper appreciating market. And this is the biggest lesson I learned. Hides a lot of bullshit. And what do I mean by that? I mean that studs in my organization looked really good, but it wasn't because of them. It was the market was making them look good, right? So when you actually drop a, a magnifying glass and you look through all your numbers, dude, I found an extra $2 million, literally verbatim, 2.1 to be exact, in revenue that was never realized because we didn't have enough follow-up. We were too busy with other deals. We were smashing other deals. We canceled whatever, you know, automation, uh, reductions, disposition side. I mean, bro, if you add that up, that's, that's 2.1 million bucks that, that, that should be in the organization extra. And, and this was a $7 million a year company anyway. So you're talking about almost being an eight figure company. So I share that not to like impress anyone. I share it to impress upon you just how, how like when a market's really good, you have to pay. My lesson was you have to pay even more attention. To what's going on with your numbers because they're they're just already assumed they're skewed and the 100%. last two years my numbers have been skewed because it looks so good when you're canceling five six seven deals a month but you're smashing 17 to 20 you're like oh it's all right whatever it was a four it was a 400k month no big deal but when you look back at it and then an economy slows down now you're forced to look at everything and peel the layers back on the onion and you're like what the fuck was that and you really start looking back and you're like oh shit this is a lot of money that we just left on the table because we were you know we were doing so well in other areas and and i definitely think that that's how you don't need to overmarket. you don't need to add more more layers more verticals and all that stuff a lot of the times what's already in your crm or what you've already paid for or what you've already generated whether it's self-gen if you're a brand new person 
for a person like myself and Greg that's marketing every single month, it doesn't matter. There's so much juice left in the squeeze. I promise you, it's already there. And I would start there before venturing out to a bunch of other crap. I really would. And there's so much money there, man. Todd Toback, a friend of mine, says this all the time. He says, you got 250 grand in your database sitting there right now. Go out there and get it. If you think about it, see, everyone here has probably got leads. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of leads in our system that, you know, we're, we're working, but I mean, the amount of gold just in your database alone, because think about it, you know, 10% of people will convert on average, 15, if you're really good, that leaves 85 freaking percent of people sitting in there with a problem that you still need to solve. So, I mean, if you just really go and that doesn't cost any more money, right? It's going to cost time and strategy and you got to work smart, but Man, there's so much gold in just going deep versus trying to go wide. So, um, well, number man, one, you've already paid for it. You've already, you've already paid for it. It's just free you've money. You've already paid point. for it. And, and the reality is it's, it's somebody, I found a fun fact too. Every, on average, the, the bulk of that, and it was a historic, there was a trend. It was clear as day. 4.3 months after we canceled, that seller made a decision with another cash buyer. It was 4.3 months to the day. I took the average and I was like, holy shit. And I saw it happen like 45 times. And I was like, wow, this is a trend, dude. It's clear as day. It's 4.3 months. Boom. They, they make a decision for whatever You go right to the county recorder and you see the LLC who bought it. And you go, fuck, I know those guys. They're my buddies. You know, <laughs> I should. Dude, I had them. a good buyer of mine four and a half months later. Dude, they ripped a $170,000 uh, rehab. And, and, and it, I, I looked at it. I was like, oh, you gotta be shitting me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's good for them, but I just felt like, damn, we should have been better. hundred percent. hundred percent. So everyone, what questions you got for Will and I, we just jammed out for a solid 45. So we got, uh, we got eight folks on here, seven other guys. So what questions do you guys got? You know, a big part of this is obviously to, uh, make this, uh, you know, make this interactive. So, um, I know there's no one on camera, but if anyone wants to unmute themselves, let's chop up some of your questions you might have. So Solomon, what's cracking, bro. I, I see you right here. I'm going to unmute you. What's up, Solomon? How you doing, buddy? You there, Sol? Unmute yourself, Solomon. You just muted him. No, unmute yourself. You're good. Yeah. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're good, man. Yeah. Hey, hey, Will. Hey, Greg. Uh, What's thank up, you so brother? Much. Uh, doing this, so much value. I have a bunch of questions, actually. Uh, my, my first question is, like, for Novation, uh, how, how do you price it? Like, put it, if you want to put Novation in the market, and like, how long do you get a contract with the, with the seller to actually put it on the market? Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll take this one if you don't mind, Greg. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually know Solomon. He's, he's busting his ass to, to, to do this business. So I, I'm, I'm proud of him. Um, with that being said, look, number one, give yourself as much time as possible, right? The, the longer the inspection period is, the longer the closing timeline is, the better. So there's not like one specific response, but do keep in mind that with innovation, you're going to be locking up a conventional buyer, which means financing, which means 30 to 45 days to closing. Okay. This is very important. This is very different from a cash buyer who's going to come along, has a hard money lender or private money or cash, straight cash and can close in two to three weeks, right? That's not going to happen in these scenarios. Very, very rare. Um, so I would add as much time as possible. And then number two, what you want to look for, which is a little tougher right now, right? Because ARVs are changing. But what you'd want to look for is something like this. Like, 
depending on the, there's a couple factors, depending on what the house needs, that property needs, whether it needs, you know, five grand, a paint and patch, or is it 50 grand, right? You, you your novations are really going to work when the house is sub, in my opinion, 10, 15 grand of work. So if, if that's my number, then I build that in. If the seller wants 330, let's say, and they won't go a penny below that. And the ARV is 400 and the house needs 10, let's just say, I know that I'm going to be all into this house for 340, closing costs, whatever, 345, add in the realtor commissions and this and that. I know that there's still, you know, a 50K spread there, give or take. And I'd rather make, when all said and done, 35K net by converting this lead that would have been zero than, than nothing, right? So that, that's, that's how I would frame that. 100%. No, that's a great answer. And it's like, you just want to price it to where, like, when you put that inventory on the open market, it's attractive. Right. And it's cheaper than what else you're seeing. Cause if, 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 you know, like Will said earlier, if there's 10 hot chicks now versus when there used to be one or two, you know, you got to make sure that that, that property is looking good, whether it's a price or whether it's condition. Right. And, and these are properties like Will said that are financeable. So if you got a, if all the inventory is trading at 399 and you go on at, you know, 379 or 385 or something like that, like that buyer who's going to be looking at the five properties sees yours cheaper and it's similar that's going to raise someone to say, Hey, I, I want to take a look at that one. Let's, let's try to make a deal on this thing. And then that way you're not stuck holding, holding inventory and then having the seller kind of be confused. But when, when I learned this from Eric Brewer, like if, if, if you're negotiating an ovation, it's your price, my terms, not your price, your terms. So they got to be willing Key. to wait a little bit in order to do that, that, what does he call it? The equity Key. protection program. <laughs> the equity. Yeah. We call I it love that. equity guarantee, but yeah. yeah, that's, I took it from Brewer too. Yeah, it's so smart. It's like, because if you think about it, like if you're looking at a seller and they're stuck on their number, it's usually because it's not beat up. And if you compromise, hey, listen, I'll get you your number if you wait 90 days. And then, you know, it's probably going to sell in 70 days. Now their expectations are 90. You get it done in 80 or 70. And now they're happy as a clam and they're giving you a testimonial. Also, you can flip that. Right. And you can flip that too. So if you tell somebody it's a price anchor, whatever way you cut it. So if I price anchor a seller and I'm like, hey, listen, I can get you a price, but you got to wait 90 days. And the seller backs up to me and says, whoa, whoa, I'm not willing to wait 90 days. I want my money in 30 days. And I'll say, well, listen, Cheech, here's the deal. You want your money in 30 days. I want my price. And yep. then now there's a dance going on. So yep. you, you, might be, you might be able to think you're having ovation, but now you can pivot it back to a cash buyer. And, and a lot of sellers value that. And right now in this economy, I would frame any conversation with the seller and be like, listen, I can give you this today, but I guarantee you a month or two from now, the number's going to go down because the numbers are going down just as a whole. So it's just really understanding that, that seller psychology, if you will. A hundred percent. We actually, we had an ovation that was in Delaware and it was on the market and it didn't trade because it needed too much work. And we converted that novation into a cash deal, into an assignment and got paid in two weeks because the seller saw it on the open market. The market was saying, Price pretty well, conditions terrible. And I'm, that was my mistake. I, I kind of misjudged that. So then when we pivoted to a cash offer, I'll close in two weeks. He was happy as a clam. And he sent me like, he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you closed in two weeks. This is insane. And because he was thinking he was going to have to wait to get more money, but he valued speed and convenience over more money because the house was beat up too. And he was tired. But the, the long and short is like, you know, it, maybe you innovate a property, you miscalculate it. And then all of a sudden it doesn't sell. And then you can go back and say, Hey, if you want to get this done in two weeks, we need to be at X. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're like, let's do it. So 
you know, it's just all about how you frame stuff. That's what I've realized is how do you frame it? How do you also, make it benefit the seller? Yeah. A lot of these things that Greg is talking about, um, they're, they're little, I, I call them pressure points that I would use with any seller and think of them as like, if you had a control panel, like in the cartoons where you had like all these levers, and red and yellow and green buttons that you could press. And each one of them did something different. Just think of that. So like I use escrow amounts, I use time, like speed in transactions. I use like, if I know a seller, if I'm listening to them, like, oh, I don't want to be tied up for, you know, 20 days in inspection period. And I already know their price is like solid. I'll, I'll just be like, well, what about three days? And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I can get the inspection done in three days. Would you be amenable to that? Could you meet me here? And, and then the people are like, well, I didn't even know you could do that. I'm like, but I can't. So let's move forward. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm using these levers as I go. And, it, and if trust is a big factor for them, I might be like, if it's a deal, like if I know it's a deal and, and, and like I'm getting a, a price that I want, then I'm like, what if I put 25K escrow? And they're like, oh, shit. Well, right now, so I'll, I'll have our attorney send you the escrow letter by the end of the day. Can we move forward now? But I'm just like removing these objections just really quickly. And, and, and these are all things that it's just so it doesn't cost you any more money to do these things. It's just it, it's how you frame it. And then that might be the thing for the seller. It might be a tenant. Um, it, it might be the fact that they live in Ohio and I'm in South Florida and the property's locked. I'll be like, listen, I'll replace the locks. I'll put a lock. I'll have a professional locksmith go out there. You don't even have to come down. Don't you? And I'll send you a video of the property. How'd you like that? You know, it's just like, I'm always looking. It's, it's just all solutions driven. I'm looking. I don't want a stupid objection to, 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 to impede me from, from doing a transaction. hundred percent. And usually right. it's something like you said, well, it's like a, something dumb, like, wait, I can leave all my stuff in the house. It's like, well, if that's important to you, of course we could do that. That's part of our stay behind sure. uh, program. I think Eric, exactly. Brewer, we're plugging Brewer on this. We got to get him on one of these. Uh, what does yeah. he call it? The utility liability program. So he's got this thing yeah. where like, if the, cause I think Pennsylvania is a little different of a market, but if people don't want to pay their utility bills for the escrow period, they'll pay the utility bills, which are probably 200 bucks a month max. And sometimes that will get him a deal over some other guy. And it's like, just these little things, if you can really be a good listener and ask the right questions, it, it gets, and that's another thing that separates you, the person on this call from your competition, is if the seller feels like they, you understand them better than anyone else, they might sell to you at a cheaper price because they know that you're going to do what you say they're going to do. And we had this scenario, actually, this is not too long ago. Some guy in Georgia offered these people way more money. We're the local guys. And they were like, well, they're in Georgia. How, how do we know they're going to close? And then obviously Brett was like, well, we're local. I live down the street. You know, we can come over. And that got us the property. So it's like a lot of people, if you think about a seller, their psychology, right? Like, especially in Florida, Delaware, New York, you know, these people know they can put their house on the market and, and it's not going to like, they're, they're aware of that. And the reason they're on the phone with you is because they don't want to do that usually. So if you can really find out what makes them tick and get them to communicate that and then verbally confirm that, it provides so much value, like more value than you think. Because if you think of a seller, they've probably never done this before. It's probably the first and last time they're doing this. And they have all these questions in their head. And like Dan Kennedy says, you want to begin the conversation in their mind. Hey, it seems like you're a little worried about that. It sounds like this is the one thing that's kind of holding you back from taking action. Let me make sure that is a real issue. And I want to show you exactly how I can solve that for you. So at the end of the day, whether you want to do business with me or not, you'll have exact clarity on what you could expect. And like, if you yep. just see something like that, the seller's like, oh my God, 
that is exactly what I was worried about. And it builds mm-hmm. so much rapport. It's crazy. Agreed. All right, Agreed. Oscar, what's cracking, bro? Well, I got three more questions. Sorry. Oh, oh sorry about that. Solomon, keep going, bro. My bad. Yeah. So, uh, so with innovation aspect, do you double do you double close or you assign? How 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 does that? Yeah, happen? you you replace it. So you replace. So what happens with innovation is you sign a contract and it basically says that the contract is allowed to be novated, which means canceled, and then you well, you basically this. Well, can you explain this? It's kind of like I speak fast. <laughs> you basically replace the contract with the next one. It's hard to explain. It, it. It's Solomon. Just just think of it like an assignment but it's not called an assignment. You're yeah. just going to make a spread and your attorney, you should close with a title company that knows how to do them. Um, there's a yeah. bunch of them that know how to do them. That is a critical piece of it. But yes, there's no double closing. There's no, no assignment fee. It's just, it's a spread on the contract and you're paid out. That's all. You just got to make sure the contract allows you to novate it, which would basically is the legal, that's it, that's it basically. That's gotcha. it. And with the, with the realtor, they still get their, their commission, right? And yeah. Uh, it's coming off of your fee. That's the key in innovation. The seller's not paying for this. So it's going to come off of your fee. So factor that into your pricing. Okay. And one more question. So you talked about knowing when to pivot in like a changing market and stuff like that. So for, for someone that is new or someone that is just like by himself, how do, you, how do we actually like, because we also don't have like margin for like, with me, I don't have margin to like trial and error to like just, pull into marketing and stuff like that. How, how do we know how or when to pivot? I would tell you, listen, I, I know because you and I have spoken before. So if I was you right now and I was, I was starting out, you know, from scratch again, right now, um, which is how I started in 2017, no money, nothing, none of that. So I would stay in South Florida. I would pick Broward and Miami Dade. I would pull the list that I want, however much you can afford right now. I would get them skip trace and I would hop on a power dialer literally eight, 10, 12 hours a day, however long you can stomach. And I would just run through that, learn as much as possible, make as many mistakes as possible, get all the repetitions out of the way. And I guarantee you deals will come out of it. Um, it, it, It's just, it's just going to happen. So that's what I would do. Like, that's where the highest and best use of your time is. Don't try to get complex and go into another market and try to pick stuff off the MLS and, oh, what if I try this? And what if I do that? You know, even novations, like it might be a little bit too advanced for you right now, respectfully. So I would just focus on that and just finding the right seller, get some money, make 20, 30K, pivot it, hire out maybe a VA, do some of the marketing for you, buy more lists, et cetera, and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until, until you have enough money to, to build your team. That's how I did it over you know, a five and a half year period. Um, I, I was a two-man band with my business partner for the first two and a half years, two years of our career. Then we hired our first VA. You know, so we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't do anything other than fucking cold call, text, go to appointments, show it, assign, start again. Like that was it. That, that was it. When one of us was doing this, the other one was doing that and vice versa and vice versa. And that's it. And then eventually we grew our business and, and we built a team. Good. Appreciate that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean like different markets right now. And I'm trying to like, just stay afloat in all those markets. Focus on one dude, go deep. Yeah. Dude, going dude. virtual fucks everything yeah. up. Yeah. No, nah, man, listen, trust me. A lot of this whole virtual wholesaling crap is like it sounds so sexy 
And it's not crap. I do a lot of virtual deals every month, but I built up to that. Um, it's almost like I, I love to work out, right? So it's the equivalent of like, I've been working out hard now for about a year and a half, right? So I could go to a CrossFit gym, pop in, and I might be able to hang with some of those guys. You know what I mean? But I built up to that. If I did that a year and a half ago, I'd break my back, break my leg. I was fat. I mean, there's a lot of things that were keeping me from doing that. So I just stuck to one thing until I became uh, a master of it, if you will. And then I started, dude, I didn't even, I didn't even um, open up a market till two years ago. Another market outside of Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade County. And I was doing millions in, in those three, millions for years. And then I decided to say, well, you know what? Let me try Tampa. Oh, let me try Clearwater. Oh, let me try Jacksonville. Let me try Orlando. And, and you know, even then it was hard for me. It was hard for my team. It was, there was a lot of logistical bullshit that goes into that. And, and I, I was like, oh, I'm a stud. I'm doing 4 million bucks a year in South Florida. And I went to Tampa, got smoked because it wasn't my market. Yep. And I'm, I'm man enough to admit that. But again, it's working up to that. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Laser focus, Solomon. There's, that's what you need. Anyone who's newer, I swear, it's just, I know it sounds unsexy because it is, but laser focus is where you need to live laser focus like laser you don't need to be doing anything else laser pick four or five activities a day track them and do them like 10 12 hours a day i wouldn't even have lunch honestly i would sit and have lunch at whatever my desk or my room or wherever it was like i was living at my mom's house at the time so like that's the, the dedication and then eventually it'll just grow that's it so we're we're co-calling uh how how do you actually track your numbers and stuff like that? Because I kind of track like a uh, make offers and like how many calls, how many contacts. But is there like any more like things you need to track to actually like uh, see the progress and everything? I would I keep it simple. Again, I, I would track the number of dials a day, the contact rate I'm having, how many offers a day am I making, and you know, the deliverability rate. So I refresh my numbers every three, four, five days. So you don't get spam. And that's it. 100%. That's all I would do. And then over a period of like two months, three months, I would say, hey, okay, cool. I made 20,000 dials. I got 2,000 contacts. I made 200 offers and I got four or five deals, whatever it might be. And then boom, I would, I would work on that. And then over time, your numbers are going to get better because you're getting better. So you can convert better. You can have better conversations and, and you're just doing better. You're more comfortable. hundred percent. And you got momentum. The only reason why you're not right. And the only reason why you're not having the, the results that you want to have is because you haven't done the activities that are required for a long enough period of time. Period. If I said nothing else on that call, on this call, that's all you need to know, right? Done. Comes with a free copy of the compound effect. Solomon, if, if yeah, you literally right. just, if you literally just got laser focused and you said my objective, there's a great book called measure what matters. And it's all about objectives and key results. If you set a main monthly objective every month, and it was like, I'm getting 40 offers this month, come hell or high water. That's a good benchmark. Cause if you make 40 offers, maybe you start to see your one KPI is one out of 20 gets accepted. And now you're reverse engineering two deals a month. And you're making, let's say 20 grand a ticket. Now you got 40 grand a month over time. So you got to always take that activity and get, what is the main objective? If my main objective this month is 40 offers, that means I got to make 10 offers a week. That means I got to make one offer a day. And if I need to make one offer a day to be on track for my 40 offers a week or et cetera, you got to then reverse engineer that activity. So anything you're doing that is not 
either somewhat correlated or directly correlated to that activity is a waste of your time. Because at the end of the day, it's a base hit a day. The next day you have a base hit. The next day you got a base hit. Next thing you know, you win the damn World Series. Now you're doing three, four, five houses a month, right? And it's the simple wins every day. It's not some crazy day where you got three contracts. If you got three contracts in one day, I guarantee it's because that compound activity of the trailing 90 was how you got that momentum going, you know? In my business, personally, it, it, it felt like for two and a half years, I was here. It felt like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it felt like... like Valley of despair. It. And it shoots but, up. But it was, it was the compound effect, really, by Darren Hardy, that right. you you did so much shit front load and back load that it just like, it just took off. And then people look at you and they're like, oh, man, look at this guy. Came out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like three years of shit yeah. to get here. You know, so if, if you can stomach that, that's all you need, bro. It'll, all and you, it'll, you don't need money to do this. Yeah. And, and it's like, too, like, let's say when you start, I'm just using a random note. Let's say you need 50 offers to get a deal. If you do that consistently, you're going to eventually need 40 offers and then 30 offers. And then, you know, you're one KPI. And then if you hire someone, okay, we need like 30 offers to get a deal. But until you do those activities daily, you won't know your numbers. Right. And that's why it's so important to track everything you're doing. Let's say in a, like a reasonable contact rate, if your cold calling is 10%, if you track that for three months and you see your contact rates 5%, maybe the data's off. Maybe the list is off. Like you got to have- Maybe your like numbers are being spammed. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your numbers are being spammed. That's why I, I have my team refresh their numbers every two, three days, period. New numbers, new numbers, new numbers. Because there's nothing worse than having good data, a lot of labor and a lot of activity and the results aren't coming. And it's because you, you don't even give yourself enough of a chance to do it because you're being spammed. Next question. Who's, who's got it? Oscar, what's cooking, bro? What's going on, man? Hey, Greg and Will, you got to talk a little bit about what the first two years look like in business, some of the pitfalls, because we all know that going from one million in revenue to three, that's like a whole different set of problems, right? So you got to talk a little bit about that. So what I'll was the question? You, the, so the like he wants to know that. like the first two years. I, I guess I'll start if that's cool, Oscar. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, I got started. I was 20. I had 2000 bucks in the bank. I was in college. So I had like no money to market whatsoever. So I was handwriting letters. I was putting out bandit signs and I was swinging the bat, right? Took me nine months to get my first house. I think I made a thousand dollars on it. Then like two months later, I made five grand. Then I started taking a little bit of that, investing a little bit more into marketing, but I was kind of like tiptoeing around and I didn't have any systems. Like, and I didn't have a team or anything like that. I couldn't even fathom that at the time but I had no systems. I had no daily operating systems. I wasn't tracking anything. I was just throwing a bunch of activity at the wall and seeing what stuck. Once I started this about a year and a half into it, I started like systematically tracking all the activities I was personally doing. And then I discovered cold calling, which this is in 2018 before it was super like, you know, popular. And I was like, I'm going to sit here. This is where the momentum started. This was in 2018. I told myself, yeah, this was January 2nd, 2018. Cause January 1st was like a wash. Basically I said, I'm going to sit here for four hours a day. And I'm going to call these vacant properties on a tax delinquent list in Dallas, Texas at the time. And I'm going to buy properties without ever seeing them. And literally took me like 60 days of that daily activity to get one house made 30. Then the next week, that momentum got another house made another 30. And then I started to reverse engineer. Okay. Every time I spend like four hours a day, I'm getting one to two leads and these are hot leads. Therefore we're making like one to two offers over time. And that st- slowly started to build up. Okay, three houses, four houses. Now, now we got four houses a month. Now I'm not seeing them. Now I got some money in the bank. Now I can invest that in marketing. But it was literally like the first year was just a straight grind. 
And then like a year and a, like about six months after that, so a year and a half later, I started learning from my own mistakes and tracking the activities I was doing to then finally see, okay, if I do this cause, I get this effect. And now I can just consistently do that to get consistent income in my life and in my business to then reinvest and get more leads to then reinvest, to get that momentum. And then once you have a steaming hot momentum on your side, then you still got to work hard, but you can work smarter. You can use, you can buy the traffic instead of generate the traffic via cold calling. You can hire a VA, you can get a salesperson, but you got to go through that like straight grind. At least that's how I did it to get that momentum, to know, really know what you're doing. So then when you do buy the traffic and spend 10 grand a month on marketing, you're not like guessing. You're like, okay, I know these numbers. I know this, I know that. That's my story. What about you, Will? Notice he said 60 days, four hours a day. That's Every day. Hours. I never missed, that's, well. that's 240 hours. 240 hours. Most people can't sit still for an hour or do something for an hour. Most people can't go to the gym for an hour. He did 240 fucking hours of one activity to get a deal. Just saying. That's what I paid attention to. But... Yeah, when I started off, so you said the first two years, right? That's what he said, Oscar? Yeah. Cool. Right, yeah, like so the first two to three years. Yeah, man. Real real quick, for me, I was at Merrill Lynch. I got fired. I got started. I had like negative $40,000 in debt between student debt, credit cards, whatever. I went out. I found a mentor, cold called him. I started cold calling, um, texting, anything I can get my hands on. I did the same exact thing. Same activity. Uh, in 91 days, I was able to, to clear the first deal. And then after that, I did like four more with that mentor. And then, you know, we broke off, did our own thing. Uh, but yeah, the first two years of business were either on the phone, dialing, uh, pulling a new list, showing a property to buyers, working on getting more buyers, running comps, um, any, any activity that had to do with a house or with generating revenue. And if I wasn't doing that, I was not going out. I was not eating shit. I didn't have time or money to do either one. And I was reading, listening to podcasts, learning and digesting as much as I possibly could. So I was learning about everything. It was, it was like a full obsession um, for the first two years. And then, you know, about a year and a half in, we were able to hire our first VA. We had a little bit of money. And then, you know, we, we did some first mail campaigns and it was really small. It was like 5,000 um, postcards with that time where, I don't know, that was like three grand a month, 2,500 bucks a month. It was a lot of money. And then from there, little by little, I got a couple of deals from mail and, you know, had a bunch of mess ups, you know, didn't reinvest into marketing as much as we should have learned that lesson and kept going. And then, you know, it, before you knew it, it was, it was two years and, you know, had a little bit of savings and, and, you know, from the business and my efforts, but yeah, two years in, I was still either dispositioning the deals or with my business partner, acquiring deals, um, doing cold calls and, and trying to get more deals or door knocking. I mean, it didn't matter. That was the first two years of business for me. Here's a takeaway I got from that, that Will just said, every activity he was doing was either directly or indirectly related to revenue. Even if that was him sharpening his saw and learning, right? Everything had an objective and it was, What's going to get me closer to my revenue? What's going to get me closer to cash, right? He wasn't, you know, shuffling his business cards around. He wasn't getting his LLC squared away. He was like, no, nope. how do I talk to a seller or a buyer or make an offer, right? That's something you got to pick up on. If it's not tied, yeah. you're wasting your time. Yeah. 
and, and very key. Notice that I didn't say I tried to open up another market. I tried to start an Amazon business or <laughs> I tried to buy Ethereum at third, three cents on the dollar. I, I didn't, I didn't try to do any of that shit. And there was a bunch of shiny pennies around me, by the way. And by the way, late at night for the first year of business, I would drive Uber. I would pray to God that none of my friends would show up on an Uber, but I would drive Uber just to make some money to, to stay afloat just for food. And, and I, so not again, that, I respect the hell out of you for yeah. that, man. I did not and that was like 9 p.m. to like 1 a.m. I was doing that for like about, I would say at least 10 months. And my business partner was doing the same thing. And we were picking people up in South Beach, Miami. And we were just, again, there was nothing you could tell me that was going to determine. And keep in mind, guys, I was a college graduate, graduated top of my class. And I got fired from Merrill Lynch in New York. So imagine how humbling and how much of a fucking pill I had to swallow to drive an Uber Okay. While people were drunk in the backseat of my car. And I was, I was all the, all the while in between rides, I was listening to books and af positive affirmation. I'm like, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're going to be rich. You're going to be rich. You're going to be rich. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're not insane. Your mom's not right. She's crazy. No, you're right. You're right. And I was, I was sticking to that. So again, I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm just telling you that was the mindset. And again, I, I still believe it's still the mindset that I have today is just different. But that's how ironclad it was for me. And like, I fired my friends. I didn't have anybody. I didn't want to go to fucking happy. I didn't want to hear anybody. I just wanted, I had, I had blinders on and that's all I did. And, and I believe that if you approach life that way, the universe moves the fuck out of the way and good things come your way. That that's just, that's just my belief. It's no right or wrong, but that's just how I carry myself. Love it. That's fucking awesome, bro. I did not know that mad respect for that. And that's the thing. It's like, a lot of people, like when they get started, at least when I got started, similar to you, well, I was so obsessed with wanting to fucking win and wanting this business to work. I didn't give a fuck that it was nine o'clock at night and I'm putting bandit signs out on the side of the fucking road on a Friday night. I was like, you know what? This is going to separate me from everyone else. And I remember I said in my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm putting these signs out now in my $200 a month lease that I can barely fucking afford. But I know in three to five years from now, the fucking choices I made today are going to reward me handsomely down the fucking road when I'm living in San Diego, doing whatever I want, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously you have different challenges as you grow, but I knew yep. in that moment, those choices that I made are going to give me the momentum that I need to have to win in the future. And it's like, it's hard for people to sometimes see past the present moment, right? Putting signs it's out down in New York when it's fucking ice cold sucks. When you got yeah. crazy people looking and screaming at you, but it's like, I knew that was going to get the fucking phone to ring for me to get the offers out to get the money in my damn bank account. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I appreciate that. Erwin. I, I never, it's funny as hell. You're saying about bandit signs. I remember one distinct story. So I never put out bandit signs for real estate, which is a fun fact. <laughs> but before real estate for like eight months before that, I was doing diabetic testing strips because a buddy <laughs> of mine told me that you can make some money. So while I was learning real estate, I was putting up these little fucking bandit signs that said cash for test strips and with a number. And, I see I, and, I would, and my partner and I would literally, yeah, some people still do it. So my partner and I would do this shit at night. And I remember one night distinctly in Miami, dude, I was on US one. It was like one in the morning because we would go from like 9 p.m. till 4 a.m. And because the city wouldn't take them down. So we would go, I would rent a little like U-Haul vans. My mom had to give me the money for it. And I would put like 500 signs. And my partner and I were like, we're not fucking coming back home until all 500 signs are down. So we would do 500 signs in like four or five uh, months or hours. And dude, I remember one night it started pouring rain and I had like five banded signs underneath my arm. And I was just walking 
drenched, bro. And I was crying, dude. Like, true story. I was crying out there. And I, I was so pissed. And I was like, fuck, this shit doesn't work. Like, I had a freaking breakdown in the middle of US1. Balling, man. We're putting up fucking signs. But again, what did I do the next day? Got the fuck up. Put the fucking signs shit. up, bro. And put my boots on. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that. And I laugh now because it, I, I, I'm ha- I, I am thankful for that version of William that did that shit to get this guy here today. I, I really am. And it's almost like, it's like a proud parent, but of yourself. Yeah. So I'm thankful of that guy because if he wouldn't, and if he would have gone back to Merrill Lynch, I'd be a depressed fucking person, you know? And I, I would have never guy. seen what's possible. You know I what love I mean? it. I love it. Yeah, man. All right, Simon, sure. we're gonna we're gonna hit you in a minute. Let me just get uh, Av right here. Is that how I say your name, man? I'm sorry about that if I butchered your name. No, nah, it's all it's all good, man. It's Av O V. O V is you know what I usually go by. O V, what's cracking, bro? What what's going on, Greg? Hey, William. Uh, thanks thanks you guys for sharing this knowledge. Sorry, I got here a little late. Um, no worries. Good question. Bro. Um, as far as things go, are are you guys gonna give us access to this recording? Yeah, shoot me an email after Greg at velocityhousebuyers.com and I'll just send you the Dropbox link. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, and then the, the next thing. So I'm here in New York City itself. I know you and me uh, talked in the past about New York. I know you oh, was yeah, a little bit more good, upstate. Bro. Yeah, so I'm trying to see how uh, how to get in the business and what makes sense, whether going virtual, whether staying local. You, and... live, you live in New York. You live in the boroughs or you live in the subs suburbs? Yeah, yeah, I live in Brooklyn. You live in Brooklyn? All right, Brooklyn! so. Dude, I know guys in Brooklyn who make 500k fucking wholesale deals. So listen, I will say this: Brooklyn is not as easy as the Hudson Valley or Long Island, right? But you can make more money on properties in Brooklyn if you know what you're doing. So if I were you, I would probably market in Brooklyn because you're literally there, and then I would either decide to go Brooklyn in like Suffolk County, which is not far from you, which is the glorified same area. Or Brooklyn and like the Hudson Valley, which is like an hour north of you. So Brooklyn itself, you can market there for sure. But I would also in market in like the suburb areas too. So you don't just kind of put all your eggs in, in one basket in Brooklyn there. Because I mean, the Hudson Valley, Brooklyn, New York City, Long Island, it's the same region. It's not like you're marketing in like fucking Syracuse or you're in, you know, Tallahassee, Florida or something like that. So if you're going to be marketing in Suffolk County or if you're going to be marketing in the Hudson Valley, I would stay below 450 and under. I wouldn't be jerking around in like the the, the price points up there that are above 450 just because it, you're going to have a higher probability of deals going down under 450. And if you're in Brooklyn, I mean, the median house price in Brooklyn is probably like a million bucks, maybe 900 grand. I would go, you know, 900K or below. And there's going to be a lot of two families, three families, four families. So I would definitely not go for the luxury stuff in Brooklyn. I wouldn't go for the luxury stuff in the Hudson Valley or in Long Island. And you want to make sure that you're you're marketing to people under the median house price, whatever submarket that's going to be. Okay, perfect. Um, I don't know anybody out here in Brooklyn that actually did wholesaling, so I mean that that's news to me. That that's great that you actually have these relationships. Is yeah, there anybody yeah. that you could potentially put me in play with? The fact that I'm new at this, that I can yeah. pick up some gems from. There's a guy named Greg Helbeck. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he lives. You can hit me up, bro. I'm here to help. Oh, I appreciate that, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I would send me an email, you, but I, I'm, okay. I'm not. Send me an email, Greg at velocityhousebuyers.com. I put it in the chat. Let's connect. Oh, you're the man. I appreciate you, Greg. Thanks. We thanks almost have like a 70K banger in Queens, but the, something happened with the fucking seller. And like, I, I realized I was like, oh shit, we got to do more marketing in New York City. It was like this junky commercial building. Um, mm-hmm. which what is happened was that I bought it, Greg. That's the 
This guy <laughs> named Will from Fort Lauderdale showed up with some fucking construction boots on and took this house. He was a contractor. I was putting bandit signs out there, boy. Yeah, right. So yeah, man, hit me up. We can connect, man. We can do some JVs together. We do a lot of JVs with people, man. So we're always happy to do that. All right, Solomon, what's up, brother? I know you got another question. And we're going to wrap this up in a couple minutes, guys. Solomon, you there? No, no, I'm good. I I didn't have any questions. Nothing else? No. All right. Uh, Anyone got any final questions here? Oh, yeah, sure, bro. Okay, so basically, um, this is a situation I'm running running across. So my parents have a six-unit building here in Brooklyn, right? Okay. So they, they're looking to get rid of it, and we agreed to, for me to purchase it from them. So now with the interest rates being so high and the property being free and clear, I don't want to actually take out a mortgage. You know what I mean? Have to, them do owner the, finance. Have them take the note back, bro. Yeah, bro. That's easy money. Uh, can can, can you elaborate? Like, like yeah, yeah sure. So, so do, you have any, do you have any like, like money to, to put down and stuff? Yeah, I do, but um, basically, mm-hmm. what happened was, uh, they originally wanted nine hundred k for the house. We settled at for six units. That's a fucking banging deal, bro. Right. So, so w- once I renovate it, which is gonna take, uh, is it's like a, it's probably like a gut. Oh, okay, you know I mean? that makes sense then. At that price, yeah, it's it, it's good. It's gonna probably skyrocket to over like two mil. Um. Okay. Still, so it's in here, East New York. So, so what I want to do is I have about another another nine hundred square foot that uh, I can add to the property. So I was thinking about taking both sides of the third floor and making them duplexes. You know what I mean? Because nine hundred square foot is not that much for another apartment, probably. Yeah. Or, or it's gonna look weird. But um, I was just gonna knock. You know, basically add another level, but just make a duplex on both sides of the building. Um, but as far as like going with the funding and stuff, um. I originally was gonna try to go with business credit cards and just keep funding the rehab like that, but I don't know if that makes sense. I I personally wouldn't I wouldn't do it that way. This is just my two cents. I would, um, you know, come to an understanding with your parents and tell them, look, I'll I'll give you you guys be the bank, right? I'm gonna pay you more like a mortgager, right? I'll pay you just like I would the bank. I'd rather the money stay in the family than go to the bank, right? I put down X amount down payment, you know, have them charge you seven, eight percent interest, whatever spare, right? Doesn't really matter because you're going to be able to renovate these units and rent them out. So I would do that, have them hold the note for like at least a year, meaning have them be your bank, right? For at least a year. And dude, from there, you can refi out a year, year and a half down the line. You don't even really care what rate because you're going to have, you're probably going to live in one, I would assume, right? And rent out the other five. And now you got residual income, bro. And I mean, their parents, your parents get their money. They're just going to get it a little bit further down the line. That's what I would do. But I, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell that. I would keep that. There's no right. reason. Like, exactly. like the next time that you're going to find a sixplex, you know, a six unit in New York and Brooklyn, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's a big place, dude. Yeah. Right place. I mean, and, if, and, and if you want to partner on that deal, I'm open. So, yeah, <laughs> and I know Greg would be too. So, so you should also, uh, Ov, you should also do yourself a favor before you get involved in this deal, and you know, almost look at it like a hard money lender. I know when I borrow money from hard money lenders, they make me get an appraisal, get an appra- get an ARV appraisal. Say, hey, this is exactly my objective with this property. What do you think it's going to be worth on the back end if I do X, Y, and Z to it? And you go on a future pace what that value is going to come in at, and that way they can kind of point you in the right direction, and they may, they might be able to do it like a maybe a second position uh, construction. Not, not a lot of lenders won't do that, but 
Some might, like you know, a bridge like a junior mortgage or something like that. Like a bridge loan. You could do yeah. like a bridge loan for that. Some sort of a short-term um, thing. Yeah. I would figure out a way though to keep that property for yourself. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. Get your parents as much money as you can. Even if you have to pay your parents a little bit more money, it doesn't matter to you because you're getting something, you're getting future value. You know what I'm saying? If you sure. know, it's, if I know something, if I know something, first of all, if my parents had something that was worth 2 million bucks and they're giving it to me for 800, 900, whatever it was, and I got to put in three, 400, dude, I would, I would bang down everybody's door to find the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I, and I wouldn't give it away for sure. Absolutely. That, that's my same thought process. Um, they, they'll yeah. work with me as far as things go. Like, um, I could probably even structure it where I can potentially pay them, you know, annually a, a salary. I'm pretty sure that they'll, they'll work with me. Um, yeah. You just my, pay my them like a mortgage. Right. That's it. Right. And it's like they're, the, the best way to pitch that is, look, it's like you being a landlord without being a landlord. Like I'm taking the responsibility of being a landlord, but I'm paying you a mortgage just like you would collect cash flow as a landlord. That's the best way to present that. That's how I present all my owner finance deals, whether it's family or, or business. It, it, and, and owners love that because they're like, well, shit, I get a down payment up front. Um, I get protected because I'm first position. So if anything ever happens to the property, they can take it back, right? If you stop paying, which I know you wouldn't. And then I get monthly income, whatever it may be. It might be three, four grand a month for them. And they're getting that every month. And it's just interest expense. And that's it. And then you go rent it, let's say, for eight grand a month, and you make the spread. That's it. And then and you, then you cash them out in a couple of years, and then they're out of there. And then when right. I stay in Brooklyn, now you get Airbnb to me. There you go. go. There you go. There you go. No, absolutely. People helping people. It's powerful stuff. It's true. It's true. That's it. I, I, I was thinking it. about reaching out to a few lenders. One of them quoted me at about 9% potentially to like borrow the money from them. That's borrow. reasonable. Borrow it. Okay. I'd be borrowing, yeah, borrow money because it's yeah. 9% annual. That's the thing. So 9% annual, bro, that's, that's freaking 0.6% a month. That's, that's free money. And given that the interest rate that you're going to get from a bank is probably seven and a half, eight percent shit. Why not? Right. Why not? Why not? Right. Um, my, my biggest objective now is finding a good contractor. Like the, these guys want to come in and probably rate me on these. Uh, yeah, that's going to be your task. You want to get at least five bids, at least five bids. Yeah. You check references. You want to do background checks just like you do. Bro, with you know what? Hit me up because one of my really good friends, John McSherry, is like a power broker and fix and flipper in New York. Hit me up. And he, he does a lot in Brooklyn. There you go. DM me after this, and I'll I'll connect you because bro, the guy's super connected, and he'll he'll be able to. And I trust that guy; he's a good person, he's a good dude. No, you know, so funny, man. John actually came out here. John visited me, based no on shit. yeah, John. Like I gave him a, a a text on Instagram, right? But oh, I was trying to still off. figure out the finance then, right? Right. But John has definitely given me great advice. But as far as that contract, there's a two or three people that he had in mind. I guess sometimes he's tied up, so I don't. I didn't want to like particularly yeah. bother him. But I'm. I am gonna touch base with him because he is somebody who's actively tried to help. But um, I guess sometimes he gets overwhelmed too. So I don't want to yeah, be like, I mean, on he, him. On him. Yeah, he's he blew he's up super very, busy. Yeah, he comes down here all the time. It's funny. John and I have been friends for years. I'll I'll, I'll ping him and just let him know, like, yo, you know, maybe help this guy out. 
Okay, yeah, I appreciate that, bro. I definitely appreciate yeah, that. Just let them know. Yeah, just, just, just DM me or, or, or like text me. Or I don't really know how, how you would do this uh, with the, I don't know, Greg, what, how would they send get them, uh, Yeah, OV, send them a DM on IG. Just say, hey, man, we were on that call. Let me know about that guy, and then he'll get right back to you. Okay, you uh, all right. So your, your name is the same on IG? It's Willie Numbers is what it would be on IG. I'll just put it in the chat here. Hold on. Oh, I appreciate that, Will. Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys are the best, man. I appreciate you guys sharing this knowledge. Like, a lot of people probably, I don't, I don't know if there's many people on here today, but just because it's a free call doesn't mean there's no value. Yeah, and it's well, an opportunity yeah, to get some gold for free. I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish, dude. Back, back when I, I oh my God, man. But in 2017, nobody was really doing this, man. You had to no. pay for everything. Um, sure. and, and also like, there wasn't like, like YouTube wasn't that big, uh, zooms weren't that webinars weren't that big. No. So you, you didn't, you didn't get that stuff. It's funny not like it's, it was for sure. Nah, right. it wasn't like that. It wasn't as readily accessible. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, right. we're going to start doing more of these men. So that's, that's our whole intention is just to kind of put some, put some good juju out there to the universe. Give back. Absolutely. Oh, show. Absolutely. All right, so we got Joshua and Irwin, last two up here. So, Irwin, we'll start with you because you're closer on my screen. What's cracking, bro? Hey, what's going on, Greg? Um, How you doing? Well, hey, thank you guys for doing this. Um, honestly, I've, I've taken a few a few snaps, and I'll, I'll put it on my story already and oh, tag word. you guys. Thanks, bro. Appreciate um, it. But honestly, I, I wanted to get your input. I got in a call with Strand Brown this morning. Um, I don't know if it's for his mastermind that he's creating, but you know, he didn't even shoot it. He didn't even sell it uh, today on the call. And um, he told me just to focus on just acquisitions. And to me, I'm actually stressing out trying to build a disposition part of my build of my business right now. And I'm thinking that I'm thinking of just going back, just doing all the acquisitions, you know, finding the gold in my system already, and then. Um, probably shooting the deal to someone who's a disposition person or Keegley. And I, I don't even know if Keegley operates here in California. Um, and I'm trying to reach out to them because I just sent them a deal that I'm looking at now. Um, but yeah, if well, Greg's I, in Cali, I'm in, where, what town are you in, bro? I'm in LA. Um, right, I was in, in San Diego, Greg, I was near you for a little bit. Um, and actually that's how I found you. I was looking for other wholesalers in the area okay. and you're the only one who came up. I've listened to all the podcasts. I got friends in LA. I got friends in LA. I got yeah. some guys that do deals out there. Yeah. Erwin, if you, if you, I think Stratton's advice is pretty solid. I mean, if you want to focus on the, the most controllable thing, it's acquiring the customer, right? And if you yeah. got to JV your deals to start before you build your buyer's list, I think that's phenomenal advice. Cause if you, even if you chop it down 50, 50, I mean, 50% of 30 racks is still 15 G's, right? And you don't yeah. have to do the work on the back end. So I would probably work with a solid investor uh, in that market who's wholesaling. Maybe they're not the biggest game in town, but they're not the smallest game in town. Yeah. They'll be a little bit more involved with them. Uh, I don't know Keegley. I don't know anything about them, but I know they're a relatively big company. So I would test out probably a more of a, a, a smaller-ish investor who's doing real business, who really knows what they're doing to make sure they're actually selling your property at the right number. They're going to be a little bit more involved with you. Uh, and then if that works out, you got, you know, a good, good relationship there you can do business with. And if, you know, they don't really deliver what you think they can deliver, you test out maybe Keegley, but you want to get that momentum and you want to get that revenue in the door. And if you, you got to chop that deal down the middle 50, 50 to start, you know, you can For get sure. some, some money in the bank and then you can start building your buyers list up as yeah. obviously, uh, the, what, one of the best things that you can do, um, is when you're, I don't know if you, if you're just starting out or, or if you're already doing deals, but. One of the things that I personally practiced when, when I was first starting out, and I still practice it today, but just with like higher level mentors, like guys that are like, you know, 50 mil, 100 mil, like how can I get into their sphere uh -huh. of influence, right? 
And the principle is still the same. It doesn't matter whether you're talking to a guy who's worth 300 million or a guy that's doing 300 grand a year in revenue, right? And the uh-huh. principle is the same. And my principle is this. I want to over deliver on value on the front end with a partnership. And I am okay with, and I was in the beginning of my career. Hey, I got a 30 K deal. Cool, man. Here's 15, 15 for me. Teach me how to do this. Or you do that quick speed for money. I can move on to go do another 30 K deal. And now I got a partner for life. Now I got a relationship. So when I ping him, the guy that I'm partnering with today, let's just say, and he's making 15 grand and he's helping me find a buyer that guy might be a private lender for me tomorrow, or that guy might be in a tough spot and be like, Hey man, I picked up this 10 unit building. Don't know what to do with it. Now you're in a financial position to go capitalize. Boom. Now you just added 10 doors. I say that example because that literally happened to me early on in my career. So again, I didn't even expect that to happen. I had no idea, but I was just over delivering my first mentor. I told him, I cold called him. I said, I will give you my first, like 50% of my first five deals. Teach me how to do this business and I'll pay for the market. And how could he say no? He was like, yeah. well, this guy didn't even give me an option and he's going to pay for his marketing. Where the fuck's my downside? Worst case scenario, this kid hits a couple deals. Boom, I got 50%. Him, it ended up being 75K for him. So it's not a bad day for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not bad. So that, that's, how, that's how I would approach that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But acquisition is really yeah. important. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that. I, I, I've been actually, you know, the dispositions has actually been pretty has been feeling pretty heavy because the acquisition uh, in terms of the system, it's only a thousand texts a day, but we're seeing three to five um, net leads come through that. And then that's what I'm focusing on. But in terms of building the disposition, you know, not, not knowing with the market right now, how to offer, and I'm using data on what the market is and what the offering offer is going to be looking like. Um, but, you know, I've always, in the back of my mind, I was like, I need a business partner in terms of the, doing the disposition, because I feel like I, I got two kids, man. Uh, I got a newborn. I'm, I, you know, I spend Congrats. four to I four to six hours probably a day trying to do this. I'm trying to bang out twelve, but you know, the kid. I'm sleep training right now too, so all that I, I, I'm pushing for. But if you can connect me with people who are actual like wholesalers, dispositions, or investors, yeah, I, I'd be down because I have I have view in mind, but they're telling me uh, they're flippers and they're like, I need forty percent on the deal. Yeah. Um, and it's you want to work with wholesale. You want to work if you want a JV with people. You want a JV with wholesalers who are getting top dollar for their properties. Yeah. And listen, also, man, no toss it out on the MLS. That's something that's not going to cost you much. If you if you have the ability to do that, throw it up on the MLS. The MLS. Yeah. Let the let. I'm a firm believer. Like the the more that I've grown, it's it's the smarter I want to work. So the MLS is like a it's like a tool. You know, it just it it like leverages so much effort off of me. And, and the MLS is the biggest buyers list. So let the MLS do the work. You know what I mean? You got to just find little, and, and especially you, I see, I see the toys back there, like, and congrats, by the way. But like, you, you have so much limited time, which is actually, by the way, there's a and great book called, yeah, it's, it's, it's the theory of constraints. Amazing book. But dude, you have so much time constraint where you can't, you can't afford to, to fuck around with time. You can't. Yeah. Like you need to be, yo, four hours a day, it's, it's my family. Right. So take that and be like, all right, well, these four freaking hours, this, this is what I got. And it's got to be gold. So your conversations have to be boom, boom, boom. And you, and, you, and you get really good at like, all right, who am I talking to? When am I talking to? What are we doing? And how am I going to do this? Boom. Next. And, and if you can do that and prioritize that time to turn, turn that negative into like a positive for you. Like that's what yeah. I would do. But, but I would, I would partner with people. You feel me? God, yeah. I'm fucking fired up on this. Dude, yeah. I'm ready to run through a fucking wall. This is crazy. I turned off my AC this whole time. It's 
Irwin, I'm low-key low shaky right now, man. Yeah. Yeah, Erwin, it's going to be so much easier to get momentum in the door if you can just focus on what you want to be good at, which is the acquisitions, yep. and fucking have someone else take care. And Because, listen, I have people, JV deals with me all the time, and I can say for fucking sure, they are making more money most of the time splitting the deal with Uncle G, not Grant Cardone, than they would have on their own because yeah. they didn't have the buyer's list and they didn't have the negotiating systems, right? So I had a guy one time, this was this year, brought me a deal. He was going to get like 20. Yeah, he was going to make 20K wholesaling. And he's like, Greg, can you sell this for me? I'll split it with you. 60G deal, cut 30, 30 each. He made more money, less work, didn't have to fuck around. I sent him a wire for 30 grand. He's like, holy fuck. So, I mean, when you work with the right people, dude, all day. it makes your life so much easier. All day. I bought a, I bought a deal from, from a young guy on, on Instagram. He hit me yeah. up. Uh, this was like two months ago. It was primetime Miami. And he's like, hey, man, I got this deal. If I could get, you know, 424 i'd be happy and i actually just closed on the rehab side and i flipped it for 600 granted i had to put like 70 grand into it but yeah kid made freaking good money bro good for him fucking a I mean, why not love why not? it yeah. erwin that help you out bro yeah it did i appreciate Word. it guys i, I really appreciate Word. it my pleasure buddy. um willie if you uh, uh well if you could send me those guys from la i definitely will uh connect with them too so um cool. and greg dude you, you're down for all of san diego for me i, I mark it anything all in Cal, diego but, bro hit me up yeah yeah i got you man Cool, bro. Thanks. Josh, what's cracking, bro? How you doing? What's going on, bro? Finally, man. I'm in the <laughs> I'm in the Tri-County. Uh, I sent Will what some up, deals, man, but but I guess what it up, hasn't baby? made sense. It hasn't made sense yet. Listen, man, I, I, I hear about Rivera. the All right. Yeah, I hear I hear about the pivot and stuff like that. I just joined Brewers uh thing that he has going on with the whole innovation course. Yeah, exactly. I joined it with Oscar. He was on earlier and one of our uh, buddies, he's a realtor, Chris. Uh, my question is, are you guys pulling data any specific way now that you're looking to novate majority of the deals? I know you're not looking to novate them, but it's like a big option now compared to, to back in the day, wholesaling right away. Now that your eyes are open to novating deals, are you guys pulling data any specific different way? Or is it the same type of data you guys have been pulling uh, all this time? Same data, bro. Same, same, same data. Uh, the only thing I changed in my data, which was about... I don't know, maybe a year ago when the market was still like booming, I, I dropped the percentage of equity that I was doing because I realized like 30% and up is usually where we were pulling at, but 30% and up was an old metric for a market that had appreciated so fast. So I dropped it to like 15% because we felt like 15 probably meant 30 and we just capitalized a lot more, a lot more people in that, in that you squeezed know, out, window. squeezed out the juice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't treat like novations that way, or anything that way, by the way, fix and flip, whatever. I, 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 I made a video about this. I, I call them buckets, right? Where like, I do the marketing. Yes, of course, we're systematic. We do the marketing a certain kind of way. We buy certain kind of lists, right? All that stuff. And there's certain criteria. I don't just blanket the whole state of Florida, but I let the leads come into the funnel and then where they fall is, is where they're going to go for me. And then I, I kind of just let my team view them and I, and I review them, I guess you would say, and I, and I make my options. So I'm like, all right, well, well that might be a buy and hold or, Hey, that might be a bird. Well, even though birds suck right now because of interest rates, but that might be a bird. Hey, that's a fix and flip or Hey, that's a wholesale. Right. So it's kind of like it, that that's how I do it. So I let the lead come in and then I see how we can best structure that deal. I, I don't limit myself on, you know, I don't like pigeonhole myself because sometimes you, you might be like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to look for innovations, but 
dude, what if it was a good cash buyer? What if it was a good retail listing? Or what if it was a good owner finance? Or what if it was a good subject too? Or what if it was a good wholesale, right? You never know. So I just take it as it comes and then just design it, you know, like, I kind of like, like a tailor, right? Like a clothing tailor. And I just tailor the suit to that. That's what I do. So you just you pull the same same type of data and you just have your buckets open, whatever data comes in, depending on the on the bucket you want to throw it in or the bucket that it deserves to be in is where it goes. Yeah, bro. Look, think of it this way, right? If, if you understand, like, a, think of it like a car dealership, right? You walk into a car dealership. So if I'm the car dealership owner, right? I got cars. I know people want cars. So I, we sell cars, right? So <clears throat> I'm not going to specifically, you know, level out one person or whatever. Some days I know some, you know, Joe's going to walk in and buy a car from me. John's going to walk in and sell a car, which I'm then going to resell. You get what I mean? Another person's going to walk in. They're not going to do shit, but they might do something two, three months down the road. So you get what I mean? I, I kind of, they might buy a warranty from me, right? It's not where I make most money, but I'm making some revenue. So it's just kind of like, I, I let, I let them come to the machine. Machine tells me what's what. And then I decide what we want to do with it based on liquidity, based on the market, based on what I want to do at that time, how I want to design it, right? How liquid am I? Am I tapped out? Am I like, damn, bro, I'm, I'm in 11 projects right now. I, I'm really not, I'm really not feeling going on a 12, unless it's a bank, right? And I just kind of treat it that way. And, and that's it. Or I might JV with somebody. I might call one of my buddies like Greg or somebody and I might be like, yo, man, I'm, 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 I got a lot of projects going on. You want to take this off of me or, or you want to buy it, you renovate it and we'll partner up. You give me 30, 40% at the end. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the lead. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just that's how I pivoted to one of my hard money lenders. I, I'm just looking for, bro, I'm looking for solutions and I'm looking to just move, move the needle. That's it. I'm moving the ball down the field. That's all I'm doing. Love it. Yeah. So, so, um, so Josh, yeah, there's no like novation list, man. It's, it's like the main thing is just whatever, whatever bucket that lead fits is what you want to, you know, what you want to execute. You don't need a novation list. There's no like, so, I mean, you could probably pull a subject to list. I mean, you could pull people who have, you know, in default and they bought their house, you know, within the last 10 years, but at the end of the day, you just look at every deal. Like how do I solve this person's problem? Right. Was that it's a novation hammer, cash hammer, terms, hammer, sub two hammer, Land subdivision hammer. Oh, let me let me actually. So that's the point we wanted to make. Let me end the call on this note. So here's a little takeaway for everyone. So a lot of people, I'm telling about this this land deal again. This seller who is selling me this piece of land, we have the contract now. We got the contract going out to the buyer. This freaking property got appraised for five fifty, I believe. I'm buying it for five sixty, and I'm wholesaling it for six thirty. Right. So if I had my like brain calculated with like oh, I need to offer this guy 70 cents on the dollar. I would not have gotten that deal. This is a sophisticated attorney based out of New York City. So the point wow. I'm trying to make is if you know your little market, and that's why we were telling Solomon to go deep as a sheep, because if you know your market super fucking well, and you know what shit trades for, especially in like in, you know, in New York or South Florida, like you can buy property sometimes at market value if you can fucking knock them down and make huge, huge, huge wholesale deals out of literally wow. thin air. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm sure you've done this down in South Florida with land and I, fucking crazy. I did one. I did one a few months ago that the seller didn't know they had yeah. two platted lots. Yeah, in, bro, it's fucking crazy. Volume. I split the lots and I was able to sell one for a quarter mil and the house for six hundred. I bought it from them Banging, at seven ten. So, dude, it's but it, it was it, paperwork, bro. And honestly, paperwork. here's 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 the here's the here's the solid part. It took me a grand total of three hours of work with my land use attorney and $2,100 to generate an extra 200. I mean, do you talk about the right network, right way to do things and, and knowing when and where 
That's it. And everybody passed on that deal. That deal was uh, 5715 Taft Street. For those of you that are in South Florida, that was in Hollywood. So you can fact check me if you want. But that's a fact, dude. Everyone had fucking passed on that. It was crazy because nobody saw that it was two flatted lots. They yeah. were already entitled. It was yeah. over 10 townhomes. 10. Crazy, bro. 10. It's fucking crazy, man. And there was one single family on it. One. Dude. There was 10 townhomes. It's crazy. I, I literally made one call to the building department on this deal in Rye. I was like, hey, what can I build on this? What's the lot size? Okay. What's the zoning requirements? Okay, cool. Hey, seller, I'll offer you five, uh, five. No, we offered him six and we went down to 560. Hey, call, here's another thing. One more thing. So how do we sell that deal? I'm not a developer. I go on the MLS. And obviously, listen, I've been doing this for a while, but I go on the MLS, all the new construction that's sold, instead of jerking around and skip tracing LLCs and burying my head in the sand like an ostrich, I'm like, who's the broker who sold all these fucking properties? Oh, yeah. this guy, Joe. Hey, Joe, my name is Greg. I got this property, looking to sell it for this price. Do you know a buyer who would buy this? I'll pay you a commission. If you know what Joe does, he goes right to bat for us, brings us a buyer in two freaking days. So it's like, you just got to be able to use data, know the market and uh, be consistent and persistent. And you'll fucking and, and, and right now, as this market tightens up and money is going to get sucked out of this market, yeah. I want everybody to understand this. Money's getting sucked out of this market right now, not just through interest rates and all that. The last two years, all these realtors, brokers, developers, this, that, people that did not, were not accustomed to making that much money, all, most of their income's gone. So now if you have an opportunity, go leverage those people. They're not doing anything. Most of those people aren't doing anything. So either you can hire them or you can hire, you know, you can use them for hire or bring them onto your team. And those are guys and girls that can bring a buyer for you because they, they got nothing going on. Because two yep. years of craziness has just fizzled and now it's all quiet time. So if you're a, like a deal engineer and you know how to find deals, dude, in any economy, especially in a down economy, baby, the you're, you're your the oyster, Yeah, man. So just leverage that shit. Fuck yeah. Guys, I hope you all got value today. Uh, if you did, share this on social media. Stay, stay in touch with us. We're going to do these more often. Appreciate your guys' time. And Willie, my man, great freaking job, bro. I love this. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Later. Be safe. Thanks.